0: Hey, my name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church and I am so glad that you were with us here this weekend or, or watching online. Jeannie and I and the kids are actually taking a little break right now as a family, just taking some time to rest and be restored by God before we walk into this next season of ministry. And I have to tell you something, I have loved the series that we're in right now, this Leveraged Life series. Now at the time that we were actually shooting this, I haven't even preached any of the messages yet. I'm just going to assume that they are so life-changing that our church is now over 500,000 people because of the messages I'm about to preach over the next couple weeks. That's just in faith. I'm believing that and you're experiencing that even while we're gone right now. What we've actually been looking at the last couple weeks is how you leverage your one and only life for something bigger than just your life. How do you leverage who you know and what you have and how you've been wired by God to really make a difference for God in this world? How do you go all in with God with all that you've got and all that you are? Now, we're actually shooting this video right now at a place that I love called Workshop here in Chicago. It's a great place for creative folks to come and have kind of a co-working space. What I love is it's actually started by and run by a guy from our church, Ben Skoda, runs Workshop. And it's such a cool space. And I love coming here. I mean, this is such a cool place. Anytime anyone asks me where they should go or they're looking for some office space or creative space to work, I tell them to come here because it's such a cool space. I I love the views of the city right outside these windows. We actually live in one of the greatest cities in the world. And anytime anyone asks me about Chicago, I can't help but talk about it. I can't help but tell them how awesome our city is. I mean, the lake, the skyline, the food, the sports, the potholes, the politics all of it i love it and hate it and love to hate it all at the same time you get me started on my city i'm going to talk about it for a while i love my neighborhood my little corner of the city don't make the mistake of asking me about my neighborhood because you're going to get a history lesson on this neighborhood i'm going to tell you about the schools i'm going to tell you about the restaurants that i love going to about the new restaurants that are coming in i'm going to tell you about how we feel about mtv shooting the real world In our neighborhood just ask me and I'll tell you all about it because I love my neighborhood and I don't hesitate to talk about it ask me about my favorite restaurant and I will probably go on more than I should and I'll tell you about what I love to get there and why I love it and odds are if you and I go there together I'm gonna know the manager because I've been there so much because you ask me about where I love to eat and where I love to hang out what I love to do in the city I'm gonna tell you all about it because that's, that's the way we are, aren't we? Each of us are kind of like our own walking Yelp reviews. I mean, honestly, if, if I were to ask you right now to turn to the person next to you and tell them where the best place is to get a burger, what would you say? If, I, if you had to turn to the person next to you and say the best burger in Chicago, and my hunch is you could probably give them a doctoral thesis on that burger. If I asked you about the best movie you've seen this year, you could go on and on and on and on about that movie. If I asked you for a good mechanic, you'd probably tell me about your guy, right? Because that's another Chicago thing. Everyone here has to have a guy. You got to have a guy. Now, why is that? Why is it so easy for us to be so passionate about things like burgers and, and movies and your guy, your mechanic, whoever it is? Well, it's simple, honestly. We talk about what we care about. We talk about what we care about. We share what we care about. and We're quick to speak at length about those things that we care about. We talk about it no matter what they are, except for one thing typically, and that's what we're actually going to talk about this weekend. All the other things in your life that you care about, you are so quick to talk about them, but there typically tends to be one thing that when it comes to talking about, we get weird we get nervous we get all fumbly and jumbly why is it that when it comes to talking about God things tend to get weird when it comes to talking about your relationship with God or your journey towards a relationship with God with a co-worker or maybe it's a family member for you or a roommate I don't, things can kind of get weird Why is it that when you're with someone that you care about it can be hard or even awkward to talk about the one that you care about most? It could be for any number of a couple of different reasons. Maybe you feel like you don't know what to say or, or how to say it to talk about God. Maybe you assume that the person that you're talking with about God and your faith, that they don't really care what you have to say or what you believe. Or, or maybe you're afraid that they're going to ask you some really tough question about God or about the Bible that you're not going to know the answer to. Like they're going to ask you, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? That's a great question. I mean, I don't, do you know the answer to that? Maybe they're to ask you, you know, like some big bible theological question like, did Jesus believe in dinosaurs? I don't know, whatever it is. And you, so you feel intimidated because you're afraid you're not going to know the right thing to say. Or or maybe it can get awkward or weird when you're trying to talk about God because the person you're talking with has had some horrible experience at church or some just awkward interaction with a a weird Christian, you know, the guy at work who kind of pushed the Bible or pushed religion on them so much so that it actually turned them off. Or the one time that they decided to go to church and the pastor preached the whole time on the evils of whatever particular political party he was against. And it made that person not only not want to go back to church, but never vote again. These conversations can be difficult and discouraging, no doubt about it. When you feel like you have to define faith perfectly or to defend some christian that you've never met and something they said or did which was honestly weird or hurtful or harmful let's be honest these kind of conversations can be tough so how how do you and i leverage our faith or your faith journey wherever you're at without being weird how do you talk about what you care about most without feeling like you have to know it all before you leverage any of it maybe the reason it oftentimes gets so weird, is because many times we're, we're worried, you're worried, I'm worried about all the wrong things. We get stuck on all the what's that we feel like we have to know, and we forget the who that we already know. So I, I want you to do something. I want you to actually grab a Bible. It's in the seat back in front of you, or if you're one of the front rows, it's right underneath your seat. Grab a Bible and I want us to kind of look at what I'm talking about here, the difference between all the what's that you and I may not know and the who that you actually do know. So I want you to grab a Bible and and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. So again, we have blue Bibles in the seat backs or the seat in front of you. You can turn to page 851. Just a quick little context on Peter. This is rough and gruff Peter, right? One of the first followers of Jesus, always the first to speak up in the crowd. The first to get out of the boat and actually try walking on water. The first to grab a sword and, and chop off someone's ear who was threatening Jesus. Peter was one of the first leaders in the very first church. He was someone who would ultimately leverage his life for his faith in Jesus, who he believed in, who he had given his life to. And, and Peter is writing to and speaking into a church church context a culture at that time where persecution was a very real thing where people were being imprisoned and even killed because of who they believed in I mean that's different from our world today that is happening all over our world today but my hunch is that's not happening in your workplace right now Uh, last time you had an awkward conversation about God at work I don't think someone had like an envelope opener and was ready to jab you for it right but this was a culture and context that knew persecution firsthand. And so Peter's saying, look, I want you to understand, there's a bigger thing that you are about. There's a bigger one whom you are about. And this is what he says. This is First Peter 3, and we'll go into verse 13. It says this, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Who's gonna harm you if you're eager to good? In other words, who can really come against you if you are about the God-oriented and and God-directed redemptive work that you were doing in this world? Now remember, he's talking to people who were being imprisoned and beaten and killed for their faith. So then he goes on to say this in, in verse 14, he says this. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed, you are blessed. And then he says this, and this is for any of us who've ever been afraid to talk about the thing we care about the most. For anyone who ever just had like an awkward conversation about God or your journey about God or felt like maybe someone's not interested or you're afraid of how they might respond, you listen to what Peter says. He says these words, do not fear their threats. Don't be frightened. Now this is very important, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord now this is very interesting that that word revere means to put at the very center and to put at the very top to to put above all other things revere to hold special to hold sacred to cherish Christ as Lord isn't it interesting that what Peter says here is not be you know kind of ready to have all the right answers he says no at the center of it all is a who not not a what a who it's Christ as Lord and then he says this This is very interesting always be prepared to, to give an answer. Now listen to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, Peter's not pulling any punches here. He's saying always with everyone, wherever you're at, be ready to give the answer. Again, not having all the answers perfectly memorized or figured out in your head. The answer is to the hope that you have in the one who has changed your life, Christ as Lord. If you are in a relationship with God or you are journeying towards a relationship with God, that is the hope, He is the hope that you hang your life on. You may not have all the answers to what, but you can know who. And then I love, Peter goes on to add this, but do this with gentleness and respect. How many times The church or or well-intended, maybe, Christians have missed those last couple words with gentleness and respect. The reason that conversations about God, talking about the one you care about the most can be awkward or intimidating or even fear-filled is because someone before you most likely has missed the gentleness and respect piece. Peter says, you may not know all the what's, but you can know the who." When it comes to leveraging the faith that you have in Jesus, when it comes to leveraging the faith journey that you're on with Jesus, wherever that may be, what Peter is saying here is simply this in this passage, and it's very, very simple. I don't want you to miss it. It is not about what you know. It's all about who you know. It's not just about what you know. It's about who you know. It's about who your hope is in. And for Peter, and for me, it's in the resurrected Jesus, the one who came to this earth to be with us, to give his life for us, and was raised by God so that we could actually have relationship with him. This is who I have my hope in. I do not know all the whats? Listen, I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian, and I don't know all the what's. But I do know who, and he is who my hope is in. You don't have to know it all. You just have to know who. Now, if someone would have asked Peter in those days, you know, some tough theological question about whether uh, in the creation story it was a literal seven days or figurative seven days, you know, he probably would have looked right at them and said, what does figurative mean? I mean, I, I don't think for one second that Peter knew all the what's, but he did know the who. I mean, think about it just from your own life. When someone asks you where to grab that best burger in the city, when they ask me about that, they don't expect me to know the recipe of how it was all prepared or whether or not the cows are free range or where it all comes from. No, they're just wanting to know who, who has the best burger in Chicago. You may not know all the what's, but you can know who, and that is who we put our Hoping. And for those of us who've entered into a transforming relationship with Jesus, we did not simply sign off on a bunch of answers and nod our head to a collection of truths. Those what's are a part of the process, and they're very important. But it is ultimately the who of a resurrected Jesus that chose to give his life for me and invite me into relationship with him that changes everything for me. And it's the same Jesus, this same love, This same saving grace that is freely and fully available to everyone. You may not be able to point to all the verses that talk about how all of that works, but you can point to who has saved you, who has changed you, who is growing and transforming you. You see, a person learning to leverage their faith lives kind of in the, in the midst or in the middle of, of two invitations, two very clear invitations that Jesus actually gave to, to Peter himself and to the rest of his followers, two invitations that he is giving to you and to me today. And these two invitations are, are, are simply this, come and see and go and be. Come and see and go and be, a faith that is being leveraged lives in the middle of those two invitations, come and see and go and be. Jesus said to his first followers, ordinary everyday people like you and me who didn't know a whole lot of what, he said to them, come and see, come and see me, come and see who I am, come and see what I'm about, come and see me, follow me. And those may be the exact words that actually brought you here this weekend or, or brought you to our website or the reason why you're even watching this right now is because someone in your life had enough courage and cared enough to say to you, come and see. And they actually may be sitting next to you right now. So just turn to them right now and say, thank you very much. You can just thank them right now because they had the courage and they cared enough to say, hey, look, I don't, I don't know maybe if I have it all figured out, but would you come and see? This was the invitation that Jesus gave to his followers. And after they had spent time getting to know him and trust him, he gave one other invitation. He said, now, go and be. Go and be the life and love of Jesus wherever and whoever you are with. Look at wherever you are and whoever you're with as the people and the place that Jesus has sent you to be. Wherever you are and whoever you're with, Those people, that place is where Jesus has sent you. It's all an invitation for you to leverage your faith in whatever opportunities God gives you. To be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. To do it with gentleness and respect. Come and see and go and be. These are the invitations of someone living a leveraged faith. And I, I want you to see a story. I want you to see what a leveraged faith really looks like. What, what it really looks like for someone to live in the middle of come and see and, and go and be. And it's from an ordinary, everyday guy that I've known for years now, a guy who actually helped us start Soul City Church. His name's Dave Van Dixhorn. And I love Dave. I've known Dave for almost 20 years. And Dave actually gave a year of his life, left his job and gave a year of his life to start this church. And he was here every single day. And literally, I mean, you look around you and his fingerprints are literally all over this church. And after about a year or so of him kind of taking a hiatus from a paycheck and devoting his time here, his wife lovingly looked at him and said, you need to go back to work. And so Dave had to get a job. And so he, you know, kind of found a lead to a great job here in the city of Chicago. And I, I remember the conversations. I remember going to lunch with Dave and him saying how nervous he was to go into this job and how it was going to be so different how he felt like it was so easy for him to live his faith out while building a church and how much harder that was going to be in a everyday nine-to-five job. But Dave made a very key decision to look at where he was and who he was with as the place and the people that Jesus had sent him to. He decided to go and be. And after a while, after he kind of lived his life out among the folks he was working with, he began to simply say to the folks that he worked with, come and see. Come and see who God is and what he's about. And what happened next is truly an only God story. So I want you to check out Dave Van Dixon's story and see what a leveraged faith really looks like.
1: I was able to get involved at Soul City Church right from the beginning. I remember getting a call from Jeannie and Jarrett asking if I would help them uh, find a place not only to live but a place to gather for the church. Uh, it was kind of exciting. I love uh, real estate and development and was for the very first time was able to use my passion uh, of real estate for, the, for his kingdom. From there I was even able to put my career on hold for 18 months and help them with the build out of the church once we got to space. After my commitment at Soul City Church, I was able to land a great job as a project manager for CMK. CMK built amazing condos and residential units throughout Chicago. Work became really mundane, doing the same thing over and over. I remember going back, sitting in my office, and I think there has to be more in life than just this. It wasn't all that fulfilling, it wasn't all that rewarding, but you know, I, I just trusted that God called me here for a reason. You know, I was able to walk to work each and every morning and on my walk I started praying and uh, asking God, like, what what do you want from me? And it became pretty clear that He didn't want me just to go to work. He wanted to come with me uh, to my workplace. And that really that really did change my perspective and started looking at work as, as a place that He was with me and not just a place that I had to go to. My lens for people changed, my heart for people. Um, changed at work. Obviously everyone works with you know hard people and difficult people at times and so it was just a real perspective change uh, once I invited God to come to work with me. So when I first started at CMK uh, the atmosphere was kind of cold and kind of tense and not a very happy lively place to come to and gradually as I lived my faith out things started to slowly change. The atmosphere became more warm and and joyful, people realized that you could have fun at work um, and still get work done. We started having uh, an employee of the month and uh, had lunch together and, you know, fellowshiped and talked. And um, that kind of grew into some trust and the built relationships. We'd even start inviting other employees to church. Uh, it got to be a point where we even had to save the entire back row for just, CMK employees. You know, we're sitting at Soul City. I look over to my right, look to my left, and I'm surrounded by other fellow employees, which was really kind of special uh, to have that interaction, not just during the week, but also on the weekends. It is really cool to see a company value people of faith. CMK does an amazing job at at building great buildings, but even these great buildings that are cool and modern are not going to last forever. At some point, they'll probably be torn down. But what's really neat about CMK now is that we've built things that will now last an eternity, that will not be torn down through our relationship with Christ, our friendships together, our bonds, that will last forever. My name is Dave Van Dixorn. I'm giving my all to live a leveraged life. Isn't that such a cool
0: story to see? What God did through Dave and others in his office and how there continues to be life change and transformation because of that. I mean, it's really amazing to think about what happens when you decide to leverage your faith, when you don't get all afraid and stuck and awkward about all the what's that you don't know, but you lead with and you lean into the who that you do know, to simply say, look, come and see as you go and be wherever it is that Jesus has sent you. So as you think about your life and the people that you're with and the places that you're at, I've really just a simple question for you to consider. Who do you know who needs to know who you know? Who do you know who needs to know who you actually know? Who is someone in your life that needs to know about the who that you know, this God who is your hope, Christ revered above all other things. Where in your life right now can you go and be? And who do you need to say, come and see to? You may not know all of the what's and that's okay. They're important, but what matters most is who. And he is inviting you to leverage your faith, to leverage your faith journey for him, to go and be wherever you're at and whoever you're with, to believe that that is where and who God has sent you to. And to simply say, just come and see, come and see, come and see the one who has changed my life. Come and see the one who's transforming my life. Come and see who he is and what he is all about. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm actually going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going ask everyone to stand right where you're at. And if you're in a Starbucks watching this video right now, I'm going to ask you to stand too. So go ahead and stand up. And I'm going to ask you in kind of a prayer posture that we tend to take a lot around here to open your hands up and to really think about the who and the what and the where of your life. And to just go, okay, could it be that God is actually sending me to those places with those people to go and be and to simply say, come and see. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to lead you through a prayer and I want you to name out loud. I'm doing this in faith because I am like in the past saying this to you in the future. So I'm gonna have you in a moment say the name of some people in your life, the who's that need to know and need to hear about the who that you care about the most. I'm gonna have you say their name out loud as I pray and as I do, we're gonna believe that God is actually going to do something in your heart to give you a greater compassion for them. So let's pray together right now. God, thank you for the who of Jesus. Help us to revere him and to hold him high above everything else in our name. And thank you that it's not about having to know all the what's as important as they are. But what is most important is the who. And that's you. And we believe that there are people and places where we go and be that you have sent us to. And when we don't know what to say, then would you give us the courage to simply say, come and see. Come and see. Come with me to my church. Come with me on my life. See who I am and who this God is who's changing my very life. So God, we're going to say out loud right now the names of people that we actually care about, that we believe you have sent us to. And so we're going to say them out loud. We're not going to whisper them or mumble them. We're going to say them out loud because these are people that you care about, who you sent your son for, and maybe, just maybe, you're sending us to right now. So as we pause right now, I pray that you would give us the courage to even say out loud the names of the people who you are sending us to this week. God, thank you for every one of these names. Thank you that at some point, someone somewhere prayed for our name, prayed for us. And maybe, just maybe, the people that we just said are people that you were sending us to to go and be your light and love with. And maybe, just maybe, a simple invitation this week to say come and see might change the trajectory of their lives and their eternity. So thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to know it all, but that we can know you. And I pray this week in my life and in our lives that we would do whatever we can, wherever we're at, whoever we're with, to leverage our faith for you. And so now we lift up your name. We worship you. We sing these songs about you and to you, giving you all praise and glory for who you are. We revere you now in this place, and we are listening for your voice as you send us. Out this week to be your hands and feet and light and love in this city, in our neighborhoods, in our lives. We pray this all in your mighty name. Amen.